The reading this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 5, verses 1 through 16. But a man named Ananias with his wife, Sapphira, sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard of it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out, carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. Now, many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared to join them, but the people held them high in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that even, they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. This is the word of the Lord. You know it's a doozy when the passage itself says that those who heard it were afraid, right? And so as we encounter this text together today and see what the Lord has for us, uh, a, a passage of scripture that we don't often preach from, we come asking the Lord, what are you saying to us today as we open his word in Acts 5 this morning? And as I do that, I want to do so remembering that God is still speaking through this word today. And I thought of this story that I read and heard many years ago, uh, sometimes referred to as the story of the unbaptized arm, right? Now this story uh, I heard, I wanted to look it up. Was it historical? Did it actually happen? Because I had heard that, uh, as I'll tell in just a moment, it was about a group of Roman soldiers, well, as I began to research it, I found the same story about some of the soldiers of Ivan the Great. I kept looking. I found the same story about some of Charlemagne's soldiers. 
And I soon quickly discovered that this is not a story from history, but nevertheless, a still helpful parable to help, I think, think about our text this morning. And here's the story. A group of soldiers desiring to be baptized came uh, and felt called before the Lord and came to a body of water. But whether it was because of some practice in the church at the time or some law, depending on which story you listen to, or uh, because of what God had put in their heart, they realized that the task that they had ahead of them was not going to honor God. And so, nevertheless, they felt called to be baptized, and so they weren't sure what to do, and so they came up with this solution, which was this. When they went to be baptized... They raised their hand, the hand that they fight with, their sword with, out of the water and were baptized completely, all except for that arm. An unbaptized arm. Now, they held back that arm. They held back that part of their life. They held back... And what we find out when we read the scriptures is, especially as we read today's text, there's no holding back from the Lord. When we hold back, because God doesn't call us to a life like that. He calls us to dive into the waters of baptism. To die with Christ and rise again with Him to new life. And that is for all of us. A call to be all in. This call by God is a path, a Jesus-shaped path that he walks and leads us on to follow him. Not holding anything back. And in chapter 5 of Acts today, we discover an example of someone who unfortunately does just that. In fact, I've come to realize that chapter 5 of Acts, as you heard it read for us this morning, is a story of comparisons. There's comparison after comparison after comparison. Let me give you an example. As you begin to read this text, you'll soon discover that in these beginning chapters of Acts, we meet the church who is what? Filled over and over again, we hear, filled with the Holy Spirit. But what happens to Ananias? When you begin to read these first few verses, you discover that he, in fact, is like Judas before him, as Luke told the story in the Gospel of Luke, and as he tells it now in Acts, Ananias was filled with someone else. He was filled with Satan. And so we have a comparison of this is what it looks like when you're filled with Satan, and this is what it looks like when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. But the comparisons continue. The Greek word, which I give you in your study guide this week, and so you can check it out there. The Greek word that's translated for the words in English, kept back, is an unusual word, not often used in the Bible. It's used here in Acts chapter 5. I think one other place in the New Testament. And then it's also used in the Old Testament. That is in the Septuagint. The Septuagint is the 
Greek translation of the Old Testament. And in the Septuagint, uh, this word shows up in Joshua chapter 7, verse 1. When Achan got into the things that God told him not to, the devoted things. And instead of listening to God, he kept it back for himself. Now, that's interesting because, again, this comparison, two times in the history of God's people, once in Joshua 7, now here in Acts 5, God is bringing victory and blessing upon his people. And that victory and blessing is interrupted by a member of the community's sin. A second comparison. But the comparison continues. For we hear in just chapter 4 of Acts about Barnabas. Barnabas sold a piece of property, gave all of its proceeds to the Lord and to the people of God in chapter 4 at the end of the chapter. Anytime we hear about Barnabas in Acts, he's always doing something good for someone. And Barnabas, as one scholar pointed out, was well respected for this. Ananias must have noticed this. And so he decided he wanted to be well respected too. But instead, he put together this, uh, as one other scholar put it, spiritual scam. To make it look like he was just as faithful and just as sacrificial as Barnabas. And so we have this comparison of someone who really gives it all and a person who lies. And the consequence of that lie and that lack of reality and of being real before God and his people led Well, a dramatic comparison between the blessing that would be poured out from Barnabas and the death that would come as a result of Ananias' lie. You see, reality can lead to reconciliation, repentance, restoration. But lies, they lead to death. The family I grew up in, we loved each other, but... As much as we loved each other, there was another value in our family growing up uh, because addiction was also a part of our story. And so looking good, it was clear to me, it was never said, but it was always lived. Looking good was more important than being good. And that kind of lie only led to more brokenness and hurt in our family. Being real leads to repentance. Being real can lead to reconciliation. Lying, putting up a spiritual scam or just something to look good helps no one. It leads to death. What we find here is one more comparison in this text. The end of the reading that you heard today in verses 12 through 16. In verses 12 through 16, we discover that 
when the church is filled with the Holy Spirit, not Satan, not lies, when the church is filled with the Holy Spirit, it leads to healing. Healing. What Luke is, as one scholar put it, is most concerned with is to emphasize the reality of the Holy Spirit's indwelling, His presence in the church, and what that means for the practical implication of what it looks like to live out. So to understand generosity here in this text is to understand these comparisons. In many ways, the difference between life and death. And how we use our possessions become an outward example of the inward reality of the Holy Spirit in us. And so we've gotten all of these great examples of Spirit-filled Christians in the first few chapters. I like how one uh, scholar pointed out, F.F. Bruce, the incident here shows that even in the earliest days, The church was not a society of perfect people. It wasn't then, it isn't now. And so we get a different kind of example here in chapter 5. My wife's grandmother had a, a saying that she liked, so much so that uh, her mother, my mother in law, cross stitched that saying and hung it on the wall so she could see it all the time. It went like this. No one is ever completely worthless. They can always serve as a bad example. (laughs) Ananias and Sapphira, for the church, serve as a bad example. And the people of God were... In some cases, afraid. But we see the comparison, the difference between being real or lying. Doing something for show or out as a free will offering of thanksgiving to God. In verse 11 of today's reading, it's the first time we get this word in the New Testament, ecclesia. The word that we use to translate church. First time we hear the word church here in the book of Acts. And I want to share with you some of the scholarship on that word. The Greek word has both a Gentile and Jewish background. In the Gentile sense, as scholars will report, it denotes chiefly the the citizen assembly of the Greek city. But in the Jewish usage especially in that Septuagint that I would mentioned to you before, it is one of the words used to denote the people of Israel in their religious character, Yahweh's assembly. And so here we have Yahweh's assembly, now Jesus' assembly, the church. This is the assembly of God's people, And these people, the saints of God, are, as we come to understand, spirit-filled. We 
baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are spirit-filled. And we're to live in reality, not to keep anything back from the Lord or from one another. We can be real with each other here. Truth leads to relationship. Might sometimes include repentance. Sometimes reconciliation. We're not a perfect assembly. This is not a perfect church. We need repentance and forgiveness and reconciliation. We're going to blow it. Last night, preaching this sermon, one of the members pointed out, instead of talking about Barnabas, I kept saying Barabbas. Thankfully, someone pointed it out for me. We're an imperfect people who need God's hand in our lives. Ephesians 4.25 puts it like this. It says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. And so as we are real with God and real with each other, we don't have to put on a show when we come here and gather. We can be real with one another. But let's be honest. We like our unbaptized arms. The things we try to keep back from God. We do that, all of us, in some way, form, or fashion. In fact, I read one pastor who won't allow his church to sing, I surrender all, lest he have any Ananias and Sapphira's in the crowd or at the pulpit, right? I had to make sure that wasn't on our song sheet for today when I mentioned that. But the Lord invites us to be real and to be honest in our confession and our repentance that sometimes we do hold back, we do keep back things. And God calls us not to do that, but to instead to be real with Him and with each other and to let His work of law and gospel work on our hearts and transform us. Because we indeed, like our unbaptized arms, we'll say things like, well, that's just business, right? Categories it over there. Or we'll say, uh, what? Don't talk to me about my relationship. This is 2023. Or we'll say, well, that's mine and that's none of your business. I don't, uh, we'll come up with all kinds of great phrases and creative ways to hold things back. I, I, I'm sure all of us have our own best ways of doing it and yet all of us need to come to the Lord in repentance and reality and come to Him because His law and gospel is transforming us when we're real, at least to repentance and reconciliation and relationship. And so for faith, Lutheran, to be a home where we walk a Jesus-shaped path, we need to do real life together. If you are struggling, then we welcome you here. Come, let us pray for you. 
After worship today, we'll pray for you at these communion rails. If you have questions or doubts, this is the place to wrestle with them and talk about them and struggle with them and learn about them together. If you don't know how or what God is doing or calling you to do in your life, then let us discern that together and help each other figure that out. If you need to reconcile with someone, we're not a perfect church. But we seek to be a home that's real under God's word with each other. And for the sake of the people we encounter to share the good news of the gospel with. There's a reason why we begin every service with confession and forgiveness. Because we need it, every one of us. Notice what happens in verse 16 of this text. The people also gathered from towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were healed. It's the afflicted ones and the sick that God gathers into his church. They didn't have to cover it up. They came with repentant hearts, with hearts desiring healing, they came and received through the power of the Holy Spirit, healing. Notice these comparisons in Acts chapter 5, and maybe just one more. Your life, my life, compared to this spirit-filled life that God is calling us to. What is he saying to you? What is he saying to me today as we come humbly before him? Friends, generosity, generosity is a spiritual fruit of being filled with the Spirit. Generosity is a spiritual fruit of being filled with the Spirit. So we offer our time, our talent, and our treasures to the Lord. Why? Not to look good. Because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I like Timothy Keller's definition, a brief definition of the gospel. I've shared it before, I'll share it again. The gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe Yet at this very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. May this be our way. Joel and Devin Edwards and their family gave a beautiful testimony of what it means to be anchored in the word. To be not with people with Uh, unbaptized arms, but rather together with the communion of saints, together with the family of God and bringing others to that family. I want you to hear their testimony this morning. My name is Joel Edwards. This is my wife, Devin. And we've been here at Faith for uh, since 2009, so about 14 years now. Um, We have two kids, Aaron and Caitlin, and they were both baptized here. Well, ever since we joined Faith, I think we, you know, we got involved right away and becoming involved in ministry, especially youth ministry, is what made Faith our family. I've worked with the K-5 ministry pretty much since we joined Faith. Um, 
and I'd done Sunday school, I've done Wednesday night ministry, um, we've done BBS, and you've done high school, youth ministry. Yeah. It's neat seeing the questions that they have. Uh, there's a lot of honesty around the uncertainties they have, the questions about their faith, um, and freedom to, to answer those honestly and tell them, um, here's the great deal with the gospel. And the fact that faith aligns with that and believes the gospel messages gives people hope. So that's what I love about it. And I think for us, it's about having that community that's supporting us as we raise our kids up in the faith and them being able to be around other kids and have a safe place to grow their faith. Um, that's been huge for us. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we give to faith of um, you know, both financially and of our, our time. And um, that's because we want to see it thrive. It's, it's our family. And we want to be able to share that with other families. Faith's home for us, mm -hmm. and so being able to serve together, that um, just makes sense for us to give with our time, with our talent, with our treasure, just to help others be able to find a family here. Yeah. Faith is a great investment of our time and resources because it's, it's our family. Um, the most important family we have is the body of believers. I think we're able to give so much to this church body and this family because we realize that it's it's so important. Our own faith, our faith in our serving our Lord is central to how we live and doing life together with these other believers, laying the foundation for our children to have that kind of faith in their life is really important to us. What excites me about the All In Initiative is that everyone is part of uh, the same objective. Um, we all want to work together toward improving our commitment to moving faith forward, um, both as a community, um, the, our involvement in the community at large, uh, as well as um, improving our financial position and uh, allowing faith to move more freely in the future. The opportunity to engage more people and bring more people into the fullness of being part of this faith community and family like we've experienced. Um, we just really want to be able to offer the opportunity to others. I'm Joel. I'm Devin. And, and we're, we're all in. in. God is calling us to be part of this family of faith, as Joel and Devin described. God is calling us to be real with one another, with where we are, and God is calling us to be part of this communion of saints, to be a home that brings others to this community. May it be so among us. Amen.